0: Classico, Classico time. Yeah, I got about two minutes of beautiful ambient noise because they're building a house across the street. Right. Are you recording? Yeah, I'm recording now be looking for about two and a half minutes in
1: oh you you should you should be the one who like snaps or something if you want to make it easy on yourself
0: that's fine i just two minutes or i'll do
1: it i mean i can take it (laughs) i'm just like you edit this
0: shit no no it's uh, doesn't matter i'm gonna slap them together make sure our voices are together and then we're good to go man i've been taking this uh This NAC, N-A-C, it's kind of a wonder supplement. It's supposed to be good for cellular health, lung health. They prescribe it for asthma patients and shit. Uh, And apparently it regulates uh, glutamate production, which apparently that's the neurotransmitter that, as an OCD person, I have uh, way too much of. It's like an excitatory neurotransmitter or something and so NAC apparently over like the course of a month or two can help to balance that kind of shit out but i woke up this morning I, i've been taking it for two days I've been, i woke up and my nose was just like a faucet just snot coming out and i thought to myself that's strange because i'm not sick and uh yeah it turns out <laughs> like i looked it up and it's like NAC uh is known to help with colds because it just completely uh, thins mucus out. It's like any mucus you have got in your body just starts to to flow out. I was like, okay, cool, bet. So I'm becoming clean. So
1: I wonder, like, that's uh, a lot of a lot of OCD stereotypes are like uh, sort of the my sinuses, you know, type, uh, right? Like uh-huh. Tony Shaloub and Monk or whatever, right? I wonder if uh, mucus holds on to something.
0: dude, I like there. I like those I like those old school as explanations for for stuff, right? It's like, why do you get cancer? It's because your humors are off. Or you've got, you know, you got to bleed out all the bad blood that's inside of you. I'm Bleeding out that. makes
1: sense to me. I'd have I'd have um, been like <laughs> I'd have been that motherfucker just like, "Okay, what we need to do is uh cut you open and uh just let you bleed a lot and you're going to be good
0: cuz <laughs> That's what they did back then. That's what killed so many... uh, Isn't that how George Washington died? He was sick, and they were bleeding him, and they just bled him too much, and he died that way? Oh, I don't
1: know. I, uh... I thought... I thought his slaves took revenge upon him or something.
0: Oh, right. I like the Tarantino revisionism, too. Um,
1: Yeah, history is just whatever
0: I want it to be basically I mean who cares it doesn't, timelines
1: doesn't are it all weird. fucked up anyways Britney Spears skirt is changing colors there's no cornucopia on my underwear I don't know the what the Monopoly
0: fuck is going guy on. monocle is what fucked me up bro like the Really the,
1: I was I was thinking I was like these both that is the one for me where I was like these both look right but I don't really play Monopoly Monopoly makes me mad cuz my mm-hmm. cousins are like big sticklers for like rules and shit right so we play with my cousins and uh I'd be like, slipping money from the bank, and they'd be like, you haven't won a single turn, like you don't own any property, how do you have all this money? I'm like, I don't know, I guess you're sleeping.
0: (laughs) You can come take the money back if you want.
1: Yeah, come and take it, bitch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) right, let's get this shit going. Hi everybody, welcome to Agitator, my name is J. David Osborne, that is Kelby Losack, and today... We were talking about this very thin, very beautiful, very frightening book that I have in my hands right here. It's called In Praise of Shadows by Junichiro Tanizaki, written in 1933, bro. This is an old ass. This is almost a hundred-year-old book.
1: Yeah, dude lived almost a, almost a century, almost at a decade, like 1885 to like the 60s.
0: So 1885, that would have put him 15, 33, 30, 48 years old when he wrote. This feels like a 48-year-old guy writing this book.
1: Yeah, and, like, the language of it makes a lot more sense, too. When I got to the afterwards and saw how old he was, because I just read it, and then I, like, I didn't know anything about it. I just read it, and then I saw all the shit about him and when it came out and stuff, and I was like, that makes sense, especially, like, the Orientals and the Negro stuff. I was like that. That makes a lot more sense
0: my favorite little tidbit from this book is a just a random story about einstein visiting japan and uh einstein comments on how wasteful it is that they have gas lamps on during the day or electric lamps on during the day yeah and uh there's like a side commentary that's like uh einstein is a jew so this makes sense as their people have that proclivity <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's just like what the fuck yeah yeah people just people back in the day bro they just said like whatever there's a lot of uh, talk of race and color in this one like like skin color um, that's just very frank in a way that I felt was kind of refreshing because he was like it makes uh, it, it doesn't
1: it, go ahead no, I was going to say, it makes sense with the aesthetics of like a lot of the movies that we watch, too. How we're like talking about, you know... I mean, with Japanese movies, most East Asian movies, except for Polynesian, they mix people... Wait, that, that's fucking... I'm off on my geography with that. Uh, the fuck am I trying... Whatever. Well, with East Asian movies, they mostly have East Asian people in them. And so you can just, like, exist in the dream world. You're not distracted by like there's consistency in the ethnicity so it's just one of those things that there's Mm. consistency with to keep you entranced in the movie um and a lot of this book being about aesthetics made sense in that regard where he's kind of saying like colors of people Mm -hmm. contrast in a certain way against the background and the architecture and the clothing and everything and like that made more sense to me where I like (laughs) obviously I don't fuck with the the race stuff but uh, maybe because like an easier way to adapt other cultures is against a backdrop of nothing we're like American Mm -hmm. architecture American everything's so fucking ugly like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that that sort of mix and creation of new cultures of of people of clothing we're more on clothing than we are on houses right and we're more on like color of of skin than like color of building everything's fucking gray and shit so I don't know it just makes more sense that we'd mix over here Mm-hmm. then like over over there he even says in the book he's like you know how awkward or you know how off-putting it is when a darker-skinned person is walking in a, a group of whites <laughs> it's like what oh uh, what <laughs> how off-putting it is oh no
0: and i was just nodding along i was like yeah <laughs> i get that i feel like this fool across the street is like driving his excavator in reverse the whole way <laughs> it's just <laughs> boop boop Boop, butts up here. There he goes. Yep. Backing backing up again. I've been playing a lawn mowing sim, which is I know a lawn mower and an excavator are two different things, but uh, I feel like I feel like I drive it better than him. I'd find a way to not have to back up so much. Um. <laughs> but yeah, no. There's a this book is as Kelby mentioned. It's about. Uh, aesthetics and it is a sort of rambling free-flowing essay that I really fucked with. In particular I highlighted a paragraph from the afterword at the end that I want to read in full because I think it's a good place to start. You know this this essay talks about food and no theater and race and cups and buildings and toilets and little boys at one point very awkwardly Uh, but Here's the paragraph, and I think it's really good. This is by, what's this fool's name? This is by Thomas J. Harper, who is a senior lecturer in Japanese literature at the Australian National University. So, here he goes. One of the oldest and most deeply ingrained of Japanese attitudes to literary style holds that too obvious a structure is contrivance. That too orderly an exposition falsifies the ruminations of the heart, that the truest representation of the searching mind is just to, quote, follow the brush. Indeed, it would not be far wrong to say that the narrative technique we call, quote, stream of consciousness, unquote, has an ancient history in Japanese letters. It is not that Japanese writers have been ignorant of the powers of concision and articulation, rather they have felt that certain subjects the vicissitudes of the emotions the fleeting perceptions of the mind are best couched in a style that conveys something of the uncertainty of the mental process and not just its neatly packaged conclusions and that, that is fucking bars that's bars right there hell yeah,
1: no there's a lot of bars in this, like, and even the way he ends it on literature how he's like talking about all these aesthetic he's he's not it's not a writing book like you know what i mean it's not about it's about buildings and teacups and like toilets and shit there's like a chapter about toilets and that's literally what it's about and he ends it in literature when he's trying to like make sense of why he's pinning it all down like these thoughts putting them into words and Insane. I'll just—I mean—since you read it, I'll just fucking read it from the thing. Where's my book? Where's where's my book? I'm gonna act like I'm looking for it. I'm pulling it up on my phone because I stole that shit. Uh.
0: Rios bought me a copy. Shout out Rios. Otherwise, I'd be doing the same shit.
1: I'm gonna buy Erica a copy because this whole like the it made me think kind of understand her proclivities a lot more cuz I'm a I'm a function guy, I'm a meat and potatoes guy. Like mm-hmm. I'll say I hate certain aesthetics, right? Like uh, and it's but I'm not the designer of I'm an imaginary builder. Well, that's not true. I actually physically build shit. But like I don't I don't design shit. I put it together, right? Right. Right. So like I appreciate aesthetic beauty, but I just want shit to work. And erica's like the opposite she's the design type like she visualizes it and puts that shit together Uh, so yeah i'm gonna buy her a copy uh says in the mansion called literature i would have the eaves deep and the walls dark i would push back into the shadows the things that come forward too clearly i would strip away the useless decoration i do not ask that this be done everywhere but perhaps we may be allowed at least one mansion where we can turn off the electric lights and see what it is like without them.
0: Yeah, and he's talking about that specifically in relation to literature. That's how he cuz he's a novelist by trade. Uh, apparently a few of his works have been <clears throat> translated into English, but not a not a bunch of them at least at the time of this copyright which would have been see this would have been put together in 1967 so I'm assuming since then that more of his stuff came out in English but anyway the point is is that he's talking about literature here but the book is called in praise of shadows because specifically he's speaking of an era that's ending in 1933 in Japan where they've adopted Western technologies specifically electric stoves electric uh, street lights, electric indoor lighting, uh, indoor plumbing, etc., etc. So he begins talking about designing his own house and how he's trying to figure out, you know, do I put tile in the bathroom? Because tile looks fucked up when it's put against wood, especially after that wood has properly aged and gotten all nice and grimy and wabi-sabi and shit. He had this clear, sparkling tile he talks a lot about how gas stoves are just, there's nothing you can do, they're just fucking ugly, so he do, he doesn't really know what to do about that, but he moves on from that to talk about how, uh, according to Tanizaki at least, in Japan darkness in general is valued over western culture where everything needs to be put into the light he even talks about how like Chinese people like jade <coughs> and I guess Japanese people too and they like lacquered cups and all this kind of stuff that in the dark obscures the thing that you're, say, drinking but in America, you know, we like jewels and diamonds and sparkly shit and how it's just these two fundamental aesthetic differences and preferences, right? Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, and on the light, man, I've I've been fucking with that for a long time because TVs fucking suck like the lights that you can it's hard to buy if you want uh, like some amber warm lighting like to replicate like a, a candle light or something like that and give a nice cozy vibe to the house that shit it's got to be from a tinted bulb and or from like a specifically designed led pattern right like that they however the fuck they put the colors in it or whatever this shit's gonna cost like 15 dollars per bulb if not more and and then it's still just gonna be like maybe too yellow or too like it's just off and it's like impossible to find good light because bulbs just like i might i'm not an electrician but like I think bulbs just used to look like that They were designed more warm mm-hmm. And Now with them trying to like Replicate it just It looks fake And it's expensive yeah. as fuck right. And the alternative Of just accepting these bright ass daylight Bulbs that people want to put in all their houses That everybody just accepted Their house looking like a hospital room All of a sudden It's like What? I this some, makes me uh, want to kill myself I'm yeah. not. I'm <laughs> taking out all the lights in my house.
0: I uh, bought some sixty-five watt. Apparently, they're supposed to be mood bulbs for the house at Target. I haven't put them shits in yet, but I know it, Like you said, it's gonna look fake. And uh, I've also turned into a total dad, where I'll walk around just turning lights off in the house. And be like, the fuck we got lights on for? This is uh-huh. <laughs> expensive. This is electricity. Like, what? What are we doing here? And today, in particular, it's a cloudy day. It's been cloudy here in Oklahoma for the past couple of days, actually, and I love it. I love it when it gets cold and, and gray. And I've said this a million times, and people, people think that I'm nuts when I say it. But this speaks to the to the Japaneseness of my heart. Uh, I think that like places only become really beautiful when it stops being so fucking sunny all the time. Like when shit is just hot and bright, like you can't focus on anything. But I was sitting out in my garage and then that excavator started annoying me so I'm back inside. But when I was sitting out there, it's like, you know, I can can look and see the individual multicolored leaves that have been blown off the tree recently, you know? And I can look across the street at these houses and actually take them in in their totality. Whereas it feels like when things are bright because you're constantly trying to get away from the brightness so that your eyes don't burn. You're just <laughs> you're just taking, like, quick notes of what you see. You're like, okay, that's a house, that's the grass, this the road. All right, cool, bet. Like, and you're trying to distract yourself from it. But this shit calms me fucking down, bro. I feel so good when it's nice and just chilly and cloudy.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah, that's the reason uh, movies look terrible now on... Like, like home TVs look fucking awful because the frame rate moves faster than what the camera that recorded the shit that you're watching was moving at, and all the shadows are gone. Like, it takes away everything in the background. It just is so fucking bright. It just destroys the look of the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of melancholy tone to this book that I really resonated with, too. Because, you know, fast forward fucking 90 years, 90 well 89 years right almost 90 years and you know he talks in this he says uh of course every generation laments the things of the past it's like nobody's ever happy where they're at he says people a century ago probably wanted shit to be like it was two centuries ago and people two centuries ago wanted to be like things four centuries ago and on and on And he says, but real talk, like, from when he was born in the 1880s to the 1930s, he said, this shit has got to be, like, tenfold the type of change. And, bro, in my lifetime, 36 years, I mean, I went from, we had landlines, we had cable TV, well, we didn't have cable TV, we had, uh, like, the little rabbit ears, right? Uh Uh-huh. We had, I didn't have any video games, but my homies had, like, Sega Genesis, or Super Nintendo. Some of them even had, like, original Nintendo. And now we're here. And I don't need to waste any breath explaining what here means. I mean, it's rapid. It's fucking crazy. It's just like the future just sort of happened out of nowhere.
1: Oh, so uh, fast. I've been seeing creative types who, like, freelance creative types making the AI debate, and I'm like, this is a relevant debate. This isn't even just, like, the kind of shit that's, like, uh interplanetary travel like that's a ways off um i mean how far off is subjective depending on how you look at how you measure time but like that's a ways off the ai thing in the workplace that's like immediate like this is a relevant debate at the acceleration that things are going like it's like you got to catch up and that's i feel like we're exactly at a point where he was talking about like that level is where we're at again And it's yeah. funny that this was the 30s And we're in the 20s And it's mm-hmm. like kind of that 100 year Cycle of accelerationism And mm-hmm. I I think The only answer for, for me That I can see Is cyberpunk
0: Yeah it's gonna have to be cyberpunk I think cyberpunk is the answer to <clears throat> And I think that's why cyberpunk's Coming back and we, of course, are the tip of the spear of this kind of shit. The t- Cyberpunk 2077 game. And a bunch of au- other authors have kind of cottoned on to it. But it's coming back because, you know, the AI art debate, to me, I mean, it is relevant. I mean, I've seen a lot of industries that I was doing, like freelance editing, for example. Like, that shit's hard to do now. Because there are programs that make suggestions as you're writing about how to make your shit more concise it's not even a spell checker it's like hey uh this like there's that uh, hemingway right i think it's called hemingway app yeah. where you can write and hemingway will be like hey this is a it'll under underline it in red because the different sentences are green yellow and red and if it's red it's like too complex of a sentence so you get this ai and it's like people think that, okay, so what's the point of having an editor anymore, right, because the computer's helping my writing along perfectly fine, so now you go online, you see, like, oh, I have an 80,000 word book, and my budget is $200, like, who wants to edit this shit for me, and not me, couldn't be me,
1: yeah, Yeah. Uh, I will, I'll just take the money and plug it into Hemingway and send it back to you in an hour, (laughs) that's the way to do it, but for that's, do, the do the that's the cyberpunk answer. Like that's the. Oh, I'm just like giving away free uh-huh. tips, like because this is a self improvement podcast and absolutely. a lifestyle and well being podcast. That's So
0: fucking smart, bro! You're absolutely right. Like, why not? Why not just do that?
1: Yeah, that's my answer. Like, what am I going to do? Stop doing shit I'm good at? Everything in my life is being taken away. Like, I'm only creative. Even with the building shit, it's like, well, you're, you're a blue-collar guy is what I always used to get, right? Like, because I can write whatever I want. I can say whatever I want. I can say the N-word on the podcast, and it doesn't matter because I'm a blue-collar guy, right? You have a job. The, that's creative. Like, the, I build custom cabinets. I make furniture. There's CNC machines that do that shit. Right. And there's material that is made much cheaper that people are fine with putting in their house instead of, like, real wood. And, like... But that shit's been happening forever. That shit's been happening in a couple decades now. So I'm kind of used to the... I was kind of looking at the AI shit through that lens where I've always, like... Getting into carpentry, custom cabinet making, like, wood artisan-type stuff. I was already familiar with the... Competition against machines, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what you get that the machine can't provide is uh, shadows. Right,
0: right. Mm -hmm. I think that's his point too: is that there's something more human about the uh, about the dark and the shadows. He talks about going to a restaurant that has a the dining room is this big open room. And it's lit by a single candle and so there's this heaviness around the ceiling where it's all dark and he says it's obviously it's different than the dark of, of night it's more oppressive and he talks about how the thing that freaked me out the most because I've seen this in Miyake <laughs> movies and I always thought it was kind of exaggerated it was in uh, Miyake and also what's that movie we talked to Brian about what was that movie called?
1: Uh, which uh, one? Kotoko or Quite
0: that's the one, quite on right. The fact that geishas like shave their eyebrows and blacken their teeth. Oh to, like, yeah, in with shadows, I was like, "Fuck, that shit's real." Like, who thought that was sexy? That's yeah, I thought weird. that I was like,
1: like a fantasy thing, but then like, I guess. Go ahead.
0: And then they had. uh... He mentions that they have like, like bright green lipstick too, and I'm like, oh shit, this is cyberpunk, like fucking back in the the Meiji era. You know what I mean? Like they were. <laughs> already on that shit like if they had the skrillex side cut they would have already been cyberpunk but like (laughs) i uh yeah i think that that's i think that that's so say say the ai could completely replicate my voice and my style and could just write uh my books for me the cyberpunk answer to that is to do that right let the ai write my books for me and then write books myself as well because it's something that I like to do. It's like a hobby, you know?
1: Yeah, and yeah. I was messing around with that one AI, and it was cool. One, it takes forever to load, so that was the thing that put me off. I was like, who has this fucking time on their hands? Hmm. But uh, two, I enjoy writing. So I was looking at it, and a lot of the ideas it spat out because it is, when you make an idea generator, you have to know the one thing, There is no such thing as an objective idea. We don't agree on shit. There's going to be people who disagree with me saying that. And they'll just prove my point. Mm -hmm. And so it'll spit ideas at you and you can be like, eh, nah, I'm going to take the story in another direction. Mm
0: -hmm. And also when you use an idea generator, which is cool, and I do like it, and I've also used it to, you know, kind of get the juices flowing. If you believe the way that I do and you do that muses are real things and that these kind of spirits want to speak through human beings Uh, a muse is going to get real fucking pissed off if you're not listening to her instead of this fucking GPT-3 AI program you know and I don't know what the consequences of of that might be but probably not great probably not awesome
1: it'll be really shitty art at best
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i've seen some cool ai stuff shout out blue nose gladio on twitter he started putting lines from dying world into an ai and he was sending me the results and the shit looked cool um so i don't know bro i don't have well, time. it's to a tool
1: that. like yeah. i was talking about the uh mm-hmm. i was talking about with the cnc machines like and that kind of shit. and there's all kinds of levels to cnc machines there's like The tabletop version that, uh, shout out Ren Collier, he's been fucking with making a lot of cool uh, magic. His etchings look dope, yeah. Yeah, etchings and shit with a CNC machine. I want a CNC machine. There's huge ones that can literally, you plug in how you want your cabinets, like you want adjustable shelves in them. It pokes the holes for that. It like, it does every, it can build fucking, I mean, not build, but it can cut out and like completely prep and sand and everything. Like, uh, all the pieces you need to build kitchen cabinets and all that shit. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but those are tools. Like, if, like, I could take that and still make shit. Mm -hmm. And I could innovate with it. I could come up with new shit that, like, the, the lower shit that I, I enjoy. I enjoy sanding on wood but if I have a machine do it for me, I can focus on designing the next thing, you know? Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. (laughs) I have more time to do something else.
0: Yeah, I'm reading a book right now called Titan by Mado, let me go look at it on my shelf so I don't fuck it up, Mado Nozaki, and I bought it in the weirdest way possible, which was I walked into a Barnes and Noble, (coughs) went to the sci-fi section, Picked it up, said, this looks fucking cool, and just bought it. I haven't looked at it on, like, fucking Amazon or anything. It's just a book that I bought. About 100 pages in. I know, old school, right? Uh, About 100 pages in, and the the book is basically about an AI that has taken over uh, uh, the whole world willingly. It's not a malevolent AI. It's called Titan, and it does everything. It builds buildings. It fabricates... Uh, everything you could possibly need it farms the food so people don't have to work anymore and in this future like six people have jobs and it's just the six people who do the bare minimum to maintain Titan and make sure that it you know doesn't go crazy and uh, the, uh, the the plot of the book is that a woman whose hobby is psychology right uh, is hired to become Titan's therapist because Titan starts breaking down Um, but anyway the point of that that I was getting at there is that this is like a future where everybody just sort of like you know she goes on a date and the AI matches her with her ideal you know hookup or whatever and anything she wants if she's like and it's so funny it's so like witheringly sarcastic the way that it's written where she you know she doesn't go shopping she goes collecting and then when she gets home you know she's so tired that she has to let the The Zoom board on her floor, like usher her from room to room, so she can brush her teeth and go to bed. Um, And it's just like, I don't think people are ever gonna get there. You know what I mean? Like, we're we're never gonna get to a point where we don't want to to work and to to do shit and to create.
1: Yeah. Well, and maybe partly just out of structure. Like, if we if we could jump into a society that already exists like that. I'd be fine because I'd be doing shit because I want to do it like that's that's me. I would love to do it like I just there's shit that I like to do and that's why I do. So I don't think that purpose really matters outside of circumstance like having a, having a purpose right. Having a purpose is something you got to sell to people because of the circumstance that we're in it doesn't doesn't allow you to not have a job while the ai takes all the work like it it's like yeah. oh well, fuck you rent still due
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. i like, I like this cool. go ahead, go <laughs> but, ahead, go ahead. I'm, but but i'm
1: having trouble getting mm-hmm. work because you're you're mm-hmm. sucking up all my purpose
0: yeah that's the issue right and that's i think that's why i've gone so full throttle into ri- writing recently like how it's become I feel like I'm actually working towards something and there's something to be said of writing that can just be a hobby but whenever I see on Twitter now people who I saw a tweet today that said uh, writers who work full-time and still manage to finish your novel how do you do it and I feel a lot of contempt when I see stuff like that not for that person right that person a lot of people aren't on my level or your level or Mm -hmm. our listeners level where it's basically well you do it by uh sitting down and doing it even if you're even if you're you're tired from a long hard day of uh, spreadsheets or whatever the fuck it is that you're doing you just kind of do it um yeah yeah and that's the thing is if there is
1: no time you still just do it like you just you just don't sleep I've uh cumulatively in the past six or seven days probably slept four hours
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I, I feel like I haven't felt like this since I was tweaking
0: Yeah, you will start to feel like you're tweaking after too long of that but you know the thing is is that uh, that's why I went into it full force because it just feels like nothing else is really going to work you know I, I apply for jobs on the regular and I don't hear shit back I put myself in a position through from the time I was 18 until now where I never played a corporate game. So I'm 36 and I have no corporate experience because I thought I would just go get a job. I thought, oh, my resume looks great. You know, I started my own publishing company and I've worked for myself and I clearly have the ability to, you know, take charge and do things for myself and the only thing that interviewers and recruiters see is like, so you haven't had a job in... (laughs) <laughs> all this time it's like well I, yeah. w- I've worked have I had a job no but I've worked so I'm trying to make a bunch of money so I've just gone full full force into this shit and it has to work it, if it doesn't work then I don't fucking know what I'll do
1: yeah and it I mean we're in negotiations with the universe kind of too it's like god you made me this way if you don't bless me I'm gonna kill you.
0: Yeah, what you do in, in your book?
1: I do. There's That's why mercy is a magic ritual. Like, <coughs> God, mercy dude, so
0: is mucus, bro. So much mucus. What the fuck? But what is mercy? It's, leave,
1: it's leaving you. It's all the mucus is your OCD leaving your yeah. system.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Mercy is a ritual for me to come out on top.
0: mhm
1: Cause I'm done, I'm done negotiating, I'm done waiting, I'm done playing by the the rules. Cause that's kind of what happens with the God and mercy. It's not even a, it's not a ruling God. It's not a, it's basically a monster that comes out every year to feed. And if you feed it what it requests, a bit of the old and a bit of the young then it just goes back and is, is fine. It leaves you alone. But that's what it does. It leaves you alone. Mm. And that's how I've felt. We've had these conversations, maybe even on air, where I'm like, I just want the universe to quit fucking with me. I know we were talking about it during the hurricane shit. I was like, I don't care. Like, God, don't give me anything but just a fucking break. Like, mm. leave me alone and that's kind of like that's how the, the shit works the cult that actually acknowledges the god that does exist that like the people in the city don't pay attention to but like this little hillbilly cult in the cyberpunk world they acknowledge this god exists and they have this order of offering up willing sacrifices and everything because to to keep it at bay to keep god from fucking with people mm-hmm. and I'm like my sort of ritual with it is like Yeah, but fuck that. How about, like, I would just rather be God. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I like that as a metaphor. I think that makes a lot of sense. It has often felt that way to me, too. Uh, The whole, like, can I get a break thing is is basically, that's why I'm, again, that's why I'm working so hard, because there's always been a a nagging voice in the back of my head that says, you know, you want a break, but you haven't worked hard enough yet. So I'm like, okay, bet. The next five years, I'm going to work as hard as I can. And if nothing happens, then I've at least earned the right to bitch without feeling bad about it. But until then, I don't feel like I can really... I can't bitch right now. It sucks, but it'll be fine. I think uh, something about... uh, in Praise of Shadows that I noticed that was like really kind of interesting is this guy like at the end uh, in that afterward by Harper he says that authors of the day were often asked to give commentary pieces in newspapers and shit and people actually cared what they had to say <laughs> and I'm like wow that must have been something else that must have been fucking I mean authors still think that they're that way on Twitter like political opinions and shit like that mm-hmm. they're like hey looks like old uh racists and fascists are up to no good yet again um, by the way side note isn't it funny that twitter is like completely the same and people have been talking about how it's going to break for what a month now and it's just pretty much fine yeah
1: it, yeah. even the algorithm's exactly the same because there was a minute there where I was like I'm getting a lot of interaction all of a sudden and so I would like passively make a post uh, make like six or seven posts per day and you know, kind of try and keep stroking an audience or whatever for when my books drop and all that kind of shit, so I was like, yeah, okay, I'm getting some more interaction, and then all of a sudden radio silence, so I'm like yeah, it right okay, it's, it's, the, it's the same shit, like this is how it's always been
0: Mhm. yeah, it went right back to normal where it's, uh, you know, I think that uh, another interesting bit about this book I got this quote I like in it where he's talking about darkness, he said uh, uh, he's talking about that that big room darkness or whatever. He said, this was the darkness in which ghosts and monsters were active and indeed was not the woman who lived in it, behind thick curtains, behind layer after layer of screens and doors. Was she not of a kind with them? The darkness wrapped her around tenfold, twentyfold. It filled the collar, the sleeves of her kimono, the folds of her skirt, wherever a hollow invited. Further yet, Might it not have been the reverse? Might not the darkness have emerged from her mouth and those black teeth from the black of her hair like the thread from the great earth spider? I was like, where'd the fucking earth spider come from, bro? That shit is fucking killer. Yeah.
1: That's the kind of shit when you don't sleep for forever, there's so much of mercy that makes no fucking sense Mm -hmm. that you just, you read and you're like, whoa, I'm dizzy. It's like, yeah, I was fucking dizzy writing it. I I didn't know what the fuck I was
0: saying. (laughs) But I just kept going I just kept going Kept fucking writing this shit But No I think that's I I just I think that there's What my major takeaway From this book Whether he's You know It's really great sensorially Like it, it It shows you Like I felt really peaceful When he was describing Sitting on like a toilet At a Buddhist temple And like hearing rain and shit And how everything's like clean And everything works together And it's dark And quiet And passages like the one I just read made me feel kind of spooked out so I was like damn this kind of like a horror book in a weird way but you know whether he's talking about the racial aspect of Japanese people's attraction to darkness or uh, just the fact that you know westerners and Japanese people are are just different in their sensibilities there's another quote here that I think is really good it goes uh But what produces such differences in taste? In my opinion, it is this. We Orientals tend to seek our satisfactions in whatever surroundings we happen to find ourselves. To content ourselves with things as they are, and so darkness causes us no discontent. We resign ourselves to it as inevitable. If light is scarce, then light is scarce. We will immerse ourselves in the darkness, and there discover its own particular beauty. But... The progressive Westerner is determined always to better his lot. From candle to oil lamp, oil lamp to gaslight, gaslight to electric light, his quest for a brighter light never ceases. He spares no pains to eradicate even the minutest shadow. It's like, damn. That's dope, too. Yeah,
1: bars. And again, cyberpunk. And that's why, like, Western cyberpunk is... It one it's a genre, and again, we're at the cusp of this tidal wave incoming of this subgenre that is mostly there's a lot of voids to fill in it. There's Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. not a lot like past Akira and Tetsuo. Like there's you know niche things, nine six four Pinocchio. There's like there is shit, but there's not that much of it. And it didn't go very far past the 90s besides like the new Blade Runner movie and now like the peripheral but
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Western always gets the shit twisted with focusing too much on the technology like the technology is going to be the focal point of an American cyberpunk movie yeah and the Japanese are so much better at it because of that of what you just said Japanese cyberpunk is about adapting
0: mm-hmm.
1: American cyberpunk is about progressing It's like what's the technology look like What are the politics of this look like What are the blah 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 How does this relate to my life now How is it a reflection of my politics How is it blah 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 And it's like You just, just adapt Like even the, the technology is more interesting In the Japanese cyberpunk Because they don't focus on it Because it's right. just like Well there's like a, a yeah, there's a 20 disc CD changer in your motorcycle that runs on batteries and hovers over the ground like and it's it's like, well, why? Oh, because it looks cool and because we need to get to this other this other scene. <laughs> we do not we don't really won't really give a fuck about the motorcycle. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good analysis of why cyberpunk even though it had its genesis in the 1940s film noir stuff and you know Blade Runner and Philip K. Dick and shit like that the Japanese really took it and ran with it and well and
1: Philip K. Dick is good with it too because actually like if you pay ten, like Blade Runner isn't really focused on the technology shit No. no. Um, Blade Runner is a big mood and that's from you know the, do androids dream of electric sheep like Dick was not on the same tip as like the Dick, Dick was one of us <laughs>
0: Basically, yeah, yeah, he was, and I think that, I think that once you know you kind of run out of things to do. I mean, Mike Pondsmith and the people who created the Cyberpunk Twenty Twenty tabletop game, they got it too because they specifically said style over substance, and I think that, that would fit with the In Praise of Shadows ethic too. It's like we're going to focus on all these things that make the genre interesting, like, the fact that there are people wearing cool clothes who. Have robot parts and do dirt, and you know, and there's the fixers who put everything together. And <clears throat> but I love this idea of uh, taking kind of what Harper said about Tanizaki, which is that you know, in Japanese writing, there's this this uh, not reticence, but an actual active distaste for clean structure, right? For having everything like slot into place. You see this all the time, dude, with fucking American books. Like, no matter how hard you might try to move away from it, American genre fiction, because literary fiction is the only place that this really is allowed to be done, but genre fiction has to hit the right beats, and everything has to add up, and you can't take detours and I'm just interested, inch- like, with the God's Fair No Better, I'm excited to write just a fucking sprawling, meandering, uh, you know, ten-part fucking series, right? Where I focus on just whatever whatever little fucking firefly catches my attention. I'm just going to follow it for as long as I want to follow it. And then I'll go somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a it's really liberating to think about it that way because Americans, I think, ran out of things to talk about in cyberpunk because... It's specifically a genre that would reward that kind of meandering curiosity. And we're in such a rush to be like, here's the beginning, middle, and the end, and the the theme that I was trying to say and the thing and it's like, no, like Cyberpunk is a genre that you're supposed to sink into. That's why the video game works so well. It's durational, right? You spend twenty-five hours playing that shit. And it's fun as fuck, because you're just, you're in the, like, being in the world is the point. It's not the story. It's being in that world.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And that's why, like, I couldn't vehemently disagree harder whenever uh, I've seen points being made recently about, like, you know, during the anniversary of Akira or this or that, people are like, you know, Blade Runner, or not Blade Runner, cyberpunk has become an irrelevant genre because of uh because of the way that tech progressed was not in the direction that it predicted or whatever and it's like why did but again that goes back to genre shit the way genre is analyzed is the way that it's written as well like in the west where sci-fi horror it's hitting these beats it's following the it's math basically and that's why so many nerds are into it is because it's like, it's doing the thing it's supposed to do
0: mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm.
1: That, That's not what mm-hmm. art is It's not supposed to do the shit that it's supposed to do
0: Right, right I'm thinking specifically of Coin Locker Babies Which is 500 pages And most of that book is just meandering You never really know where the book is going Because, you know, you get halfway through that shit And the main character Who you think is basically the main character Just goes to jail And he doesn't just mm-hmm. go to jail he spends most of the rest of the book in jail. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you follow him on a boat in jail, and then he gets at like it's just, and the the other character, you know, becomes a sort of transvestite rock star, and you think it might go one way, but then all of a sudden he's not a transvestite rock star anymore because he fucking he fucking snapped. And, uh, but it's so entertaining and fun to read. It, it starts to become, I think, more... I don't want to say about something, but definitely more interesting to me, at least. Right? I've never been interested in, you know, these experimentations with form. People are so into, you know, like, if it's experimental literature, that means that the sentences have to be ugly and you have to be confused and not know where you are. But, like... I'm more interested in prose that is clean and fun to read but, that, but stories that stories themselves that do different things. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like an actual well written story that uh, you know that go like an infinite jest right like goes off on a 40 page tangent about a tennis game that's a metaphor for nuclear war. You know what I mean? That's got all of its own rules and shit. That to me is fun. And that's why I don't read very much because because not very many books do that I feel like I'm on a track and it makes me want to jump off the track
1: yeah people come to me for reading material sometimes and I'm like I don't read like I read a lot <laughs> yeah but because uh, like in comparison to my friends like I, I read a lot but I pretty much read what other people have already talking about like people I trust so I'm like and I'd be useless in the group chat I'd just be like hey you know what I'm reading that shit that y'all were talking about yesterday right
0: right yeah no and I think that uh, it ties back to the fact that I bought Titan at Barnes & Noble site like without knowing where it's gonna go and I still don't really know where it's gonna go so that's what keeps me into it and there are interesting digressions like you, you do you go on a you know this woman goes on a date two dates and you just follow her on those dates, and you know, and they start trying to make the AI take on a human form. And for like weeks and weeks, it's just it's just like a cloud of water vapor with like a, a tip of an iceberg poking out, and then it becomes like a human being, but it's just red goo. Uh, and the book just kind of moves along at that pace. And I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. Like, where is this gonna go next? I'm having a great time reading it. Not surprisingly, it's written by a Japanese person. Um, because, again, it's that ability to to sink into where you are. You get the impression that when these authors are writing this these books, it's not that they're not diligent and they don't have a plan. Because, fuck, I'm not a psychic. I don't know. They might have a plan. But it certainly feels like they uh, when they sit down to write that they're just like alright where am I going let's find out where I'm going and you're going along with them you know and that's, that's a quality that I want to I wanna catch
1: well and even if you have a plan cause I've had um the majority of the shit that comes at the end of Mercy I've had that in my head and sort of in shorthand notes for over a year uh-huh. but that came to me and was like I gotta write that down like Mm -hmm. that's that's gotta be the direction that this goes in but it wasn't it wasn't like plotted like where is it gonna go cause the the junk at the end came before the beginning stuff Mm -hmm. I was just like oh how do I get to that and yeah and and then a lot of the shit that came before the how to get to that actually also came from more moments of me trying to figure it out and then it just boom there it is Mm -hmm. that's why i've learned i'm not doing deadlines anymore on shit because i write a lot you know you know this i write a lot i write all the time uh and so i could easily pump out 10 like the material objective can still be met by not really giving a fuck about structure or schedule because the amount that i write if i just follow the muse where it wants to go it'll it'll equal up to like 10 books a year so but i i can't really control what it's going to want to talk about
0: right and that is also why so titan is this way too um titan was written as it's like a 500 page book but it was written as three novellas that appeared in uh magazines because in japan they still do that kind of shit I guess they do here, too, and maybe I'm putting an outsized importance on these magazines. Maybe it's, like, our equivalent of, you know, whatever lit mags are out there right now. But the point is, when you're writing, you know, three novellas that eventually get compiled into one big book, the serialized format does lend itself to that exploratory searching nature that I find so interesting, because... Like, God's Fair No Better, I said it very very clearly for myself, like, it's ten books, right? So what that means is, you know, I want a dying world to be fast and fun and engaging so that, you know, you're hooked into the world first thing. But, like, the rest of the... Because like, I started in on uh, the second book, and uh, it slows way the fuck down. Like, way the... Because, bro, I got, I got ten books. I'm doing this as an experiment. So that kind of hyperkinetic pace that was the intro the rest of it like we're we're chilling we're not really going anywhere at least until we get there
1: yeah yeah and uh maybe like a like a hack sort of similar to uh, you know navigating the AI navigating the existing versus bettering and just adapting like is kind of you can hack the muse in sort of a way too where I had notes about shit that I had vague ideas of what I wanted to write next like you know the next 50 things I wanted to write or whatever and um, I'm just dressing them all up in cyberpunk I'm just going to throw all of the ideas into that
0: yep Yeah. it's
1: like a a whodunit mystery okay a cyberpunk whodunit mystery
0: Yep. and you'll see the opening too you'll be writing and you'll be like ah there it goes that's the that's the perfect opportunity for that because yeah you and i know we've talked back and forth about all our different ideas and we finally settled on this idea of like why don't we just take all those ideas and just put them all into these big these big epic projects that we're working on instead of trying to do like individual books and uh at this point i don't care if like that's a good idea or a bad idea. <laughs> it's just like, no, it's going to keep going. In fact, you know, I might be talking out of my ass, but like 10 books for, for uh, God's fair, no better. Isn't like a hard and fast rule, you know, like if I want to keep going, I'll just keep going. Like, I don't I kind I don't
1: of imagine. Care. I want to do like I, when last night you didn't talk me into, you kind of coerced me in the direction of, uh, turning Samurai Jesus into a series i was like okay seven books perfect no that's a godly number mm-hmm. so i also like how much biblical shit like lore this series has and when it comes out because i have shit like i you know i have shit for it and when it actually comes out people will be like you said this was based on the bible what the fuck <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you just pull a david lynch and you say uh, yeah
1: uh yeah, it is. And like mercy is. is Abraham and Isaac. So
0: yeah, right, right. All right, I think we should cut it right there. I think that's good. Unless you got something else.
1: Mm, no, I don't think. I think that's good.